Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new unsettling stories taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. This story happened to me back when I was in college, in 2017. I lived in a neighborhood near the university campus, as well as near the river. My apartment is actually a fourplex with my place and three other rentable units. The area itself is generally safe, but at the time, our neighbors whom we shared a wall with were a real piece of work. Our neighbors were a single mother struggling with addiction, her college-aged son, who was a creep on his own, and had a record of SA. The son and mom were constantly fighting, and we could hear them yelling at each other through the wall sometimes. We also believed they were dealing drugs, given that some pretty shady people would come through every now and again. The son would have people come over, drive around the block with them, and then get dropped back off within a span of five minutes. Sometimes, some of their friends would mistake our apartment for theirs, on one occasion, a man came pounding on our door at dusk, accusing someone of assault and threatening to kill us if we didn't send so-and-so outside. Apparently, he did this on every door in the apartment complex. We called the police, and once they came out, they told all of the residents that the guy was in some state of a drug-induced mania. Whether it was related to the neighbors or not, I don't know for sure. I've lived in this same apartment for about seven years now, and a lot of craziness happened in the three years while we had these same neighbors. But there was one time that truly made my blood run cold. I lived with my best friend and her boyfriend at the time of the specific incident I'm about to share. Our unit has an upstairs and downstairs, with the bedrooms both being up and the kitchen and living room being down. One warm summer day, my friends and I decided to float the river to escape the 100 plus degree weather. We were all young, 21 to 23, and loved to party. On that particular day, we finished a bottle of vodka on the river between the five of us, and I had probably drank the most. Because I live close to the river, we can get off the river at my street and just walk to my place. That day, we got off the river at around 5pm. I was pretty hammered so my friends dropped me off at my place to sleep, as they decided to go to another friend's house, who had a pool, all in efforts to keep the party going. I woke up a few hours later and checked my phone. It was nearly midnight at this point. My house was entirely quiet and dark. Both my head and stomach were hurting from the alcohol, so I decided to fix it by chugging some water and following up with a midnight snack. I sleepily walked down my stairs using my cell phone as a light. Not sure why I didn't turn on any lights, but when I got downstairs, I saw my roommate asleep on the couch. I walked into the kitchen, and the overhead oven light that we keep on provided enough light for me to make a snack. I opened the fridge and first searched for my leftover takeout from lunch that day. My head pounded as I quietly cursed my roommates for eating my takeout, but ultimately decided to fry myself a couple of eggs and eat a piece of toast. I smashed some water and began to feel a bit better. I texted my friends and even though it was midnight, they were all still up 
and hanging out at my friend's house who had the pool. They told me to come over, and after my nap and snack, I had sobered up enough to drive. I walked back through my living room and was on my way back up the stairs to grab my shoes when I saw something that made me freeze. I had taken another glance at the sleeping figure of my roommate on the couch, only to realize that it wasn't my roommate. My female roommate, who I thought it was, is a 110-pound, 22-year-old with long red hair. This person looked to be about 170 pounds, brunette, and a woman that appeared to be in her late 30s. Obviously, not a college student that would be more common to the area, and obviously not a resident of my apartment. She was face down and had nothing covering her body but her street clothes. For a solid couple of minutes, I couldn't move a muscle. I just stared at what I could see of her face and saw that she was breathing the shallow breath of someone who was fast asleep. Without my shoes on, I slipped outside the front door and immediately called my roommates. Neither one of them answered, so I chalked it up to just being a friend of theirs that I hadn't met. I went to my friend's house and tried to forget the incident. I was hanging out like nothing happened when my roommate finally called back. The conversation went something like this. Hey, sorry I missed your call. What's up? Oh, nothing. I was just going to ask you about your friend sleeping on our couch. What? On our couch? Yeah, the woman sleeping on our couch. Older, darker hair. Uh, we aren't at the house. We decided to stay at the boyfriend's parents' house tonight. My heart all but sank at that point. That's when my roommates decided to head back over to our place to investigate. But by the time they had gotten home, whoever that person was, they had left. Nothing in our place was missing except for my takeout. Best we could conclude after the fact is that the woman was heavily intoxicated and confused our house for one of the other apartments in our complex. She ate some of our food and decided to take herself a nap. She had also thrown up on our carpet and used a quilt that my grandmother had handmade to cover it up. Not the greatest of thanks for providing someone a warm and quiet place to catch some sleep. This woman was ultimately harmless, but the wrong person could have easily sauntered into our apartment, and given the character of our neighbors, it could have been much worse. My roommates and I had a serious talk about locking the doors every single time we leave the house. I still think about seeing that woman's body on my couch sometimes, and it always gives me that same chill. This takes place in the rural farmland of the southeastern United States. For those from around the area, you will know that there isn't much around except for old farmhouses, fields, and the occasional subdivision. When I was around 17 or 18, I was dating this girl who went to the same high school as me. Being teenagers, we needed a place to be alone. And what better place than the front seat of my F-150? Oftentimes, it was hard to find a place to park that was away from the road and was far enough away from everyone. One evening, as the sun was getting ready to set, I remembered an abandoned house with a long driveway and a tobacco barn off some old back road with no other houses around. I had been there before and explored the property. The house itself had been abandoned long ago and currently looked as if it was being used to store lumber. 
The house had no doors or windows left, and the rest of the property was clearly in disrepair and didn't appear to be used at all. I figured this long-forgotten property would make a good spot, so I drove my truck up onto the driveway, far away from prying eyes. I put my truck in park, lifted up my center console, and put on the radio. As my girlfriend and I were talking, she suddenly stops with her eyes glued to the rearview mirror and says, um, I think someone is here. I initially blew her off as I was fairly confident that no one was around for miles, but I glanced in my rear view to see a very beat up looking Ford truck that had pulled directly behind mine just as the door flew open. Out jumped a tall, dirty looking man holding what appeared to be a 30 6 with a weathered wooden stock. As I put my window down, the man advances, yelling all types of obscenities from the side of my truck. As he walks up, I hear the distinct sound of the safety clicking off of an older rifle. I froze as the world stopped around me. I had never been held at gunpoint before. As soon as the shock wore off, I threw my hands up and I see the man had his sights aimed on me through the rear window of my truck. I looked over to my girlfriend who was frozen in shock and somewhat cowered into the passenger side door. I remember feeling helpless and reaching for my pistol that I usually had between the seats, which I quickly realized I had left at home. This was probably a blessing in disguise as the strange man was clearly belligerent and under the influence of something. I'm sure him seeing my pistol would have just sent him more over the edge. As my hands are up and my girlfriend is shaking in fear, I eventually mutter out, What's going on, sir? The man, through rotten and missing teeth, shouts, You sons of bitches come out here tearing up my field and ruining my crops. He clearly had mistaken me for some of the ATV riders around the area who would often wander onto private property and tear up the land. Looking dead at this man, he didn't look like any of the farmers I had known around the area, having lived here 15 years at this point. I was fairly familiar with the local farmers. This supposed farmer looked maybe to be in his early 30s and looked to me more like the junkies I would see downtown. I replied to the man that I had never been here before, nor that I was responsible for destroying his crops, trying desperately to defuse the situation. He wanted to hear none of it and continued to mutter while still holding me at gunpoint. I waited for a break in his incoherent babbling to apologize profusely and say, Sir, if I had seen a no trespassing sign, I wouldn't have dared step foot on the property. The man advanced from behind my truck to my open window to yell, Didn't see no f***ing sign? I knew he didn't believe me. As I studied him, he continued to grip the rifle tighter and tighter while mumbling to himself. I apologized some more and offered to leave when I noticed he has me completely blocked in. There was nowhere to go. As soon as I mentioned leaving though, he perked up and dropped the rifle ever so slightly, putting us out of immediate danger. My fight or flight briefly chose fight, but I knew there was no way to jump out of the truck and get to him before he could shoot. Time seemed to slow and I felt like the silence that ensued lasted for hours. He started to yell obscenities again, but started to walk back to his truck at the same time. As he passes my rear bumper, my girlfriend and I exchange glances. 
I had never seen a fear like that in someone's eyes before, let alone someone I loved. I knew I had to do whatever I could to get away from this unhinged stranger. I fired up my truck and put it in reverse as he does the same. The beat-up Ford backed into the road and stopped, waiting for me to exit. I backed into the road as well, my eyes never leaving the rearview mirror. As soon as there was enough space, I threw the truck into drive and stomped the gas pedal down as far as it would go. My tires squealed, and the truck roared as it ran through its gears. I was familiar with the roads here and was confident that I could outrun him if need be, as his truck looked like it was on its last leg. As the speedometer flew past 60, I could see the man following us, but there was enough distance from my truck that it would be hard to put a hole in my tailgate. My girlfriend is calming down at this point and is trying to rationalize what just happened to us. I drove and drove for several miles, constantly looking behind to see if this man was still following. I briefly remember doing over 100 miles an hour at some point. The mood in the cab changed to utter disbelief as we talk about how crazy the supposed farmer looked and awkwardly laughing off our near deaths. I never saw that man again after that and never returned to that abandoned house, except for the next day to leave him some ruts in the front yard of the rundown property. Looking back, I haven't the slightest idea as to how the man knew we were there, as we weren't visible from the road, nor were we followed. I personally think he was just some tweaker, as I knew most all of the farmers in the area, and being in a small town, you tend to know everybody. I hadn't seen this man in my life, nor have I been lucky enough to see him since. I certainly was in the wrong for being on private property, and had heard horror stories of people running from crazed farmers as bullets flew over their heads. However, a couple of kids parked up in what was clearly a forgotten property, several hundred yards from the nearest field, shouldn't have warranted a firearm pointed at me and my girlfriend, who were sitting in a clean truck that obviously hadn't been tearing up any fields. Coming from a farming family myself, and being close with the farmers in the area, the last thing you would catch me doing is tearing up someone's livelihood. Regardless, I put my girlfriend's and my life at stake just to park up somewhere and fool around. I never made that mistake again. I used to fight with my parents a lot as a teenager, and that led to them kicking me out once I had graduated high school. I was almost 19 at this point, which for me wasn't a huge problem. I had my own job and my own car, and my friend's parents had a spare bedroom they were willing to let me rent out, so things seemed to work out just fine. That being said, I'm going to change everybody's name in this story for privacy's sake. We'll call my friend Kelly, and her mom Lena, and her dad Kenneth. Kenneth and Lena had a lot of weird friends due to the fact that they were huge partiers. A lot of these friends were actually really nice people, just a touch weird and you could tell they had issues such as drugs or criminal pasts. There was this one guy, though, that was beyond weird. Just someone who, even though I didn't know him, absolutely made my skin crawl. We'll call him Joe. I came home from work one day, and the only person at the house was Joe. As soon as I walked in, he says hello, and then made a comment about how beautiful I was. Now, I don't personally consider myself good-looking in the slightest, 
I'm decent, even average at best. So I just kind of said thanks and walked off to do my normal routine. As I was making my lunch and cleaning up my mess, I felt the feeling of someone staring at me. It was Joe. He'd followed me into the kitchen and was standing in the only doorway, just staring right at me. I asked if I could get him anything, but he just shook his head no and continued right on staring. This made me very uncomfortable to say the least, so I just kind of nudged past him and headed straight to my room, locking the door until I heard my roommates get home. I guess Joe left around dinner time and I thought it was fine and went about my nightly routine, went to bed as usual, but he must have come back because he was sitting at the breakfast table when I went to go get my cereal that morning. Again, the whole time, he just stared. Having enough of that, I stood up, took my Fruit Loops to my room. Friday night rolled around. Lena, Kenneth, and Kelly told me they were going to throw a huge party and I should invite whoever I wanted. I just had this feeling that Joe would be there. So I decided to invite the most intimidating guy friend that I had. My neighbor, Charles. Now, Charles was a huge guy, six foot five at least, and I'd guess close to 300 pounds. Charles was also covered nearly head to toe in tattoos and was a previous Hells Angels member. But he was also the type that, unless provoked, wouldn't hurt a fly. I explained while inviting him the day before about Joe. When Charles heard Joe's name, his eyes grew a little wide and he took a big deep breath before letting out a sigh. He said that he knew Joe, and that Joe was currently on the run from the police for essaying a teenage girl the year before. Charles said without any doubt in his voice that I needed to stay far away from Joe. You think that's where the scary part ends? No, it gets worse. Now, I'm usually not a cop caller, but I went straight home and packed my things and headed out to a safe place before calling the police. When they arrested Joe, they looked through his phone, and he had multiple pictures of me on it. Most of them came from when I was sleeping, or when I was in the shower. He also had texts to another person, about me, and more chilling, about what he and this other person wanted to do to me. I no longer talked to Kelly or her parents, and when someone gives me a bad vibe, I instantly get the hell away from them. I'll be forever grateful to Charles because his words of advice not only validated that weird, creepy feeling that I got around Joe, but it gave me the urging that I needed to call the police. At the very least, it saved me from more uncomfortable times around the dinner table. At most, it saved me from much, much worse. <laughs>